two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader, includes but is not led to who talk of Star Wars. A big thank you to Anspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is December 28th, 2019. My name is Zach Weber, and I'm joined by professional podcast host and part-time incinerator trooper, Zenger. All clear. And we have the titular Mando Russ. All these bees are dead. Move to the east. Yes, sir. Hey, what's going on? Hey. All right, folks. So on this episode of Knights of Vader, we are finally going to be wrapping up for, I guess, our immediate review slash discussions of The Mandalorian. We are discussing chapters seven and eight. Uh, Thank I have you. no idea what I have no idea. <laughs> You're welcome, Zenger. Even though the titles of all the episodes so far uh, are all called ep- episode discussions. You know what? Um, I, I, that's my stop. <laughs> Um, but yes, so we are discussing chapter seven and eight. Uh, I guess spoilers. If I, I really don't think anything in this episode you couldn't predict from a mile away, but that's just me. But guys, so now that the Mandalorian is all wrapped up, what do we think of it? Yeah, oh, I thought it came out great. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, I thought the ending was uh, really well put together. And yeah, come on, this is this is one of the best things that, that definitely that Disney's put out. It's great. I can safely say this is the best Disney Plus show we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, outside of, like, what, what, three or four other shows, it's the only Disney Plus show that's really, that has any sort of, like, oomph put into it. Not a high mountain not- to climb right now, people. Not a high mountain to climb. Well, not not until look- we get the Lizzie McGuire show. Then, then it's all downhill for uh, Mandalorian. Oh. Yeah. I think Togo I- might be bringing up the rear, too. Watch out for Togo. I, don't know what that I also want to say that I am very disappointed that I have to wait a year for more content. Eh, I think that's good. I wish they would have. I wish they would have kind of done this maybe like in the spring, and then we could have been like okay, and then like in the fall we're getting like Calrissian Endor, uh, and like later in the year. But no, I I kind of would prefer because it, it feels like it's just again between Rise of Skywalker and this ending now. And now like I know we're getting what Clone Wars in a couple of months, but it's like. Uh, they should have spaced this out a little bit better. They really should have. Yeah, I just they, feel like we're, we're just b- bloated right now with all this stuff. It's like they they threw it all in the shoot and it came out right now, and now we're just like, wait, wow, we have to wait again. Wait, and hey, what is next on the uh, on on the plan, Zach? Is it Calrissian Andor? I don't know. Actually, I know they're already they already have scripts for uh, Mandalorian season two, and I know John Favreau was like tweeting pictures. Or Instagramming pictures of uh, Gamorrean guards being like season two coming fall twenty twenty. So I think next is Mandalorian. I haven't heard anything about Mandalini. Uh, I'm sorry, Calrissian Endor shooting next. Hmm. Wonder so what th- baby they have. <laughs> baby K two S O. Aww. It's like a little like automaton that like wanders around like a baby bender. 
Like, could they like baby boar gullet and they go the opposite way where it grows up really fast instead of growing <laughs> old slowly? Oh, man. Smash all those baby, like, boar gullet memes, baby boar gullet plushes that you can, like, pre order, like, 16 months in advance. <laughs> this boar gullet doesn't know anything, not even the <laughs> truth. <laughs> oh, that's delightful. Um, but okay, so I I wasn't particularly again shocking, folks. I wasn't particularly thrilled with this. Um, the oh, ending. God. God dang it! Okay, yeah. what what's your score at, at the end of this? How no, how does this oh, end? Okay, it's it's not as horrible as the first chapter or the fi- you were uh, you were still tied up, right? Yeah, I was tied up. I'd I'd say it's fine. Um, I'd say okay. I guess we put these in the plus columns. I absolutely loved the beginning of chapter eight. I almost like I was watching that at the gym, and I almost died laughing. Like there's some madman on elliptical just like pissing himself laughing um, at the two scout troopers, and I'm like, oh god, I'm like I'm making a scene. I have to stop it. I'm going to embarrass myself because of how hard I'm laughing. Um, I I seriously lost it with the. uh, when it came to the uh, um, them shooting the tin can or yeah. whatever, this is junk on the ground. I thought that was the greatest thing I've ever seen in Star Wars. And uh, <laughs> uh, but other than that, though, like again, everything else kind of just like rung hollow. Like watching, see, watching here's the them, funny thing. Like, I would figure you would have hated that. Oh somehow. no, it was delightful. Like, it was delightful. Like, like for some reason, that 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 would, that would have been the straw that broke the camel's back for Zach on this series. The beginning of chapter eight, and he's like, "I'm done with this." Uh, no. the way they played it the way the two troopers were playing it it was it was very like engaging like they they were always kind of established as, as jerks from that and from return of the jedi the scout troopers have always been seemed like kind of weasels you know well i don't even think like okay i don't know i've never had preconceived notions about scout troopers uh maybe that's just me uh no i've never i've never had that with them i don't um that part wasn't really surprising. It was just kind of like the comedic aspect of it, that you have all these kind of Star Wars-y things. And, of course, they're written in a way that are meant to be deliberately unlikable because they keep punching Baby Yoda, like, every, what, five minutes? Not five, yeah. every five seconds. Um, and a couple of times, I'm like, how many times do we get to punch Baby Yoda? Because I was, <laughs> I know I'm going to sound awful for saying this because I kept laughing. You liked it. I was laughing at it. I'm like, how many times are we going to punch Baby Yoda? Because you know every single time we punch Baby Yoda, you're going to die in a more horrible way. It's kind of like a Friday the 13th film. Like yeah. Every time you smoke a joint or you have sex or do whatever else, um, you're going to die a more horrific death. And I, I think those two scout troopers really do die the most brutal death we've ever seen in a Star Wars film. Uh, before, no, right? I I have a... a um a dog-eared page for that. Uh, oh, do you? And we will we, get I to mean, it. We've seen, we've seen guys thrown into fan blades and stuff by, uh, by Ray and Kylo. So yeah, this, this was definitely up there though. I mean, when he takes the one brutal. guy and just bashes him into the speeder. I, I love that. That was great. Well, even he break, like, okay, I guess I should say it's the most graphic representation of violence we've ever seen. Like, yes, like the, no, you're guards. wrong again. Once again, the dog-eared scene I'll get to later. Oh, Really? Okay, so what's worse than watching a, a man's arm be broken in real time in a Star Wars children's show? Uh, I don't know. The one, per, the one, uh, whoever the armorer, I, I guess, because I, it's referring to um, on Wikipedia, on the page, it says the armorer. So the woman in the Spartan helmet, when she takes on that group of stormtroopers and is literally bashing their armor apart. But that's armor, that though. Brutal. 
Well, I, okay. Well, I'm, okay. Let me rephrase that from brutal. I what I mean is like on screen violence. Like I again, mean, visceral. We, well, sure, you can you can call it that if you wanted to. Uh, but yeah, the whole point being is just that we're seeing literally somebody's arm get broken. Like I don't think we, again, yes, we have a lot of implied violence in Star Wars, whether it be younglings, like we said, like the Praetorian Guard, things like that. But no, this was kind of one of those times I'm like, wow, they're really going for it, considering that like they've made Mandalorian so like child friendly. Yeah. Like, this is so well, okay, I think I think what Ross was talking about it a few weeks ago, kind of the whole idea. Of just how like the whole family can kind of sit around and watch this, except for a few parts here and there. But it's for the most part being sold as a family friendly show. Or am I wrong? What if it has something to do with scenes like this, where you know a lot of violence we see is is always on either a masked person or um uh, or or some kind of droid. In this, you had a droid on a stormtrooper, which is a, a rare combination. Maybe they feel like they have a little extra license there, and just like, well, this is just a robot doing something. A, 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 a basically a, a robot guy, as far as kids will see it. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, this is a robot doing robot stuff. <laughs> kids can't imitate that. It's robots. They know they're not robots. Surely. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't you we love hope. the meeting? Wouldn't you love to like see the meetings at Disney and like Lucasfilm about this stuff? But we have a we have a droid break a guy's arm, like like graphically. Like we see everything. We hear the bones crunch and we see his arm bend in a way that should never be bend bent. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, um, no, I wasn't. Like chapter seven, I felt was just kind of there. Like I think we kind of chapter seven's the setup for eight. Sure, but again, it's kind of like, just there. I wasn't thrilled with that. Uh, I, I like some of the cute. moments. I really like the uh, the camping moment in episode seven, where everything kind of calms down, and then out of nowhere, those what were those like uh, almost like Dianogas kind of? I'm uh, not Dianogas, uh, Minoc? like Minoc flying dragon things. Those Actually, were, those were insane. It says that that says they're Minocs according to the oh. um, the episode oh, cool. summary. It says Minocs because. We get we get the whole part afterwards, which I, I really like that scene. Just the the blurks flying away, and just like you know the Mando can using fire and stuff like that. That was uh that was episode seven, correct? Yeah, chapter okay, seven, Ross. Cha- oh god, you that's my line. You but play. No, but- <laughs> I've got my new favorite line, and it's from that episode. Because did, did you guys notice when uh, before Space Carl Weathers is about to get his arm healed, and uh, do you hear what he says right before Baby Yoda heals him? It's gonna eat me. Yep, it's gonna eat me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know why. I, I just that was just one of the funniest things. The fact they set it up, he's like, "Oh, that thing's a carnivore." Oh, he's trying to eat me. <laughs> Well, well, Spice Carl Weathers has a couple of really great like lines, both in this and Chapter Eight, where at one point, like when the Tie Fighter is flying overhead, it's like baby, it's, he's like baby Yoda, do the hand thing, and baby Yoda <laughs> just like waves at him. And it's like, well, I tried. <laughs> oh man, like that's true because like just that perfect campy uh, character to his acting and everything, where he just he's all in, but he's still him, and it's. Is yeah, he was he was great in all this. I'm glad we're going to see more of him. I, I enjoyed the ending a little bit with him. Even at the end, where we have like Nick Nolte, Ugnot, and it's like, oh, they're going to shoot him. And I'm like, he's a cool character, but like he's already played out his entire arc in this. Like, okay, he's he's a character that's again, he's he's a former Imperial. He like earned his like servitude, and like in the moment they he says something along the lines of, oh, like I I served my debt. Like three times your human like lifetimes, 
And I'm like, well, if he's dead, like that's like the Ugna equivalent of I'm two days away from <laughs> retirement. And I'm like, and I'm like, fine. I'm like, kill him. It's like, I, I like Nick Nolte Ugna, but he's, he's not anything that's going to be missed. Um, the one character who I really liked from this episode and chapter eight was a uh, car Dune. I think I said a couple of weeks ago that I, I've never particularly cared for Gina Carano as an actress. She's kind of just there. They have her as just like muscular woman. And that's kind of the furthest extent they, they use her in most things. And I thought she was great in this. I love her as like the former, what, uh, sh- like rebel shock trooper who turned AWOL. And I loved it. Like it, it's, I, I'm so glad they didn't kill her off. I'm, I think it's so nice that Lucasfilm is like slowly learning that uh, um, for character arcs, don't have to always have characters dying. Um, you can actually no. have characters like evolve change without yeah. killing them. And uh, no, I can, um, uh, Pedro Pascal seeing him without the helmet. I know I'm kind of jumping around. Um, fine. Like, it's kind of like, oh, look, it's the actor who we know is playing there the character is. under the mat. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Pico honestly, Pico. the best moment. It, it would have been, been, been. Go ahead. When he actually spoke and hits the, it's that you're like, it's definitely him. It, he sounds just like the Mandalorian. It was, it's actually weird seeing him speak now without the helmet on. Yeah. I was going to say it would have been even weirder if the IG unit took off the helmet and it was just another IG unit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Zanger. He takes the helmet off and it's another Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> just, just, just slightly smaller. I think we mentioned this, like a Lucha mask or something on that looks like it. Uh, <laughs> I still want Russ's idea of having the, uh, the, the, the tan lines, like around like the T-shaped tan yeah. lines on his face. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, you almost did expect something weird under there, even though we know from just him being a kid. Like I, I mean, I wasn't thinking it'd be all like uh, I don't know, like Friday the Thirteenth under there or anything. But yeah, I, I think that's more for him. I mean, he he did a, a great job as far as acting and everything. This he, he think if you are the actor, like kind of at least have like one moment where they see me like for a second. Yeah, I thought it was cool how they kind of set it up too, where he's like, no, no, per- no one's allowed to ever, like, no person's allowed to ever see me without my no, helmet. No, he's no like, living oh. being is allowed there to see you. me. There you go. And so, yeah, I thought that was a neat little like uh, twist around. And like Russ said, I, not that you were expecting him to look like uh, Monster Mash underneath that, but you kind of expected some like scar or some level of just kind of maybe like. I don't know, battle wound, something to kind of be like, oh, maybe there's another reason why he's doing it. And it's like, nope, he's just handsome Pedro Pascal. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's the creed. Yeah. Which, by the way, I loved that explanation for the Mandalorian and how all that works. Once again, making a more confusing situation in the Star Wars canon even more confusing. <laughs> So Mandalorians are a Mandalore is a place, a people, and a creed from certain people that are Mandalorians but aren't. I, uh, my brain. Well, that's no <laughs> that's that's the Star Wars equivalent of don't think about it. It it really is. And by the way, I I after seeing uh, th- this is actually the first recording I've done since I've seen. Um, Rise of Skywalker for a second time, and that that movie needs to have like a thing at the bottom that scrolls by every now and then that just says "Don't think about it." <laughs> well, don't <laughs> we'll think get... about it. Move along. This is the way. That too. What did everybody think of uh, Moth Gideon that we've been kind of weirdly building toward this entire season? Uh, I guess we'll save the final thing with him to the very end of this because I'm that sure stup- that will be that, that. That was insanely stupid, by the way. But go ahead. 
It was okay. Let's rip the band aid off now. There's no reason for the goddamn dark saber to be here. Yes, there is. There's a perfectly logical reason. No, there isn't. It's a. It's a. It's a really cute looking lightsaber. It's there to just sit there and move the plot along. It's like why? It's like that thing gets passed around so many times now. (laughs) Like I think about we had the uh, town bike. Essentially, essentially, like we saw it in the Clone Wars with like I forgot we have Favrelorian Part One from Clone Wars. Then it somehow inexplicably ends up with like what Darth Maul. And then it ends up with Sabine. Then it ends up with Bo Katan. And now he has it for some reason. No, there's not some reason. It explains. He's the one that carried out the purge on Mandalore. So why would he not have it afterwards? Because it just it's a thing. The Mandal I don't know, maybe one of them should have swallowed it or something. It's a sacred thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's the idea well, that like it's it's just fan service. It's you know what it is? It's the same it's again, it shows that Lucasfilm has not learned anything from solo. For the, the record, the part everyone probably loved of the reveal is the part Zach hates. Because it doesn't serve a purpose, though. Because what it's it's dark at the end of Solo, but that's that's the Marvel thing and I payoff. Don't, I don't. <laughs> there's no payoff yet. Yes, it is. There's payoff to people who know what the dark saber is and don't have to watch. Uh, I'm, talk, let, let, let I'm, me, t- I'm talking. I'm talking in the context of the Mandalorian. Oh God, no! We're not going by YouTube. YouTube is a cesspool when it comes to Star Wars. It is. It's awful. You have to watch stuff immediately, or else it will be ruined. But the point being, though, is that like it's the same thing they did with, with Darth Maul at the end of Solo. It's just there to stroke the hardcore fans. And Zenger, think of the filthy casuals that are watching this. They're not going to go watch season two episodes of 13 through <laughs> 17 of Clone Wars, and then season three episodes blah, 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 blah of Rebels. They're not going to well, do why that. Why do that when They're you not- could just easily watch... Darksaber, Origins and Powers, full story in parentheses, explained by the Stupendous Wave. Or, The Mandalorian season finale, ending, explained by Stupendous Wave. Why are you... Are you part of these videos? Why is this going on? What's going on? <laughs> no, it's, I hate them to no end. Uh-oh. That's why he's giving them a spotlight on this Star Wars podcast, Ross. He hates them so God. much, he wants them to get more attention. No, I want to tell people to avoid it. Also, other videos by them, like Disney has said that Ahsoka's alive after Rise of Skywalker. It's like, shut what? the hell up. No, that's not true. She's she's that, weird, though. It It's... It's right there. He he has somebody, some email from somebody probably saying something. This is dumb as sh- <laughs> Exactly. Uh, this is the way. Um, no, it isn't. No, don't go on YouTube. No, don't don't go to YouTube. YouTube, no, don't click on, don't go to YouTube. It's not worth it. Oh, also, another video he has made that's my Alpatine as a clone in Rise of Sky. Shut up. That's me telling the t- telling not 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 order sixty six. God, I wish Are we you? could on this stupid YouTube. Okay, I'm done. I'm good. You okay? Go from it now. There's only one. There's only one irrational like level of like frustration allowed in this podcast, singer, and that's me. I'm out doing you today, boy. Oh boy. Uh, but no, like I said. Uh, so what we think of uh, Moff Gideon? And his uh, Moff fighter. Ring, Moff Ring. I I thought he played it up pretty well. Uh, I, I'm with you. I didn't. The dark saber. I don't know. It's like 
I'm with you. Now. Is that really necessary in this story? And it's mainly because it might not be to against the dark saber. It's like, do we have to have a lightsaber and everything? Like, I'm with you on the solo thing. It shouldn't have been there. It's like every time they're like, we're two minutes away from this being over. We haven't put some kind of saber in yet. It's time. It's like we're going to look for Jedi and all that in the next one. So I don't know. I I, I still loved it, but I don't think it absolutely needed that thing. What do you think, Sanger? Do, do I have to say? Do I, do I have to just put myself out there? Yes, you again? do. Yeah, sure. I Okay, so we're talking about Moff Gideon. I liked his arrival. I liked the whole landing uh, TIE fighter thing that can still I'm confused about and have many questions, but for a different time, I guess. Um, I, I, I liked him as a imposing villain, but at the same time, he really didn't do much to earn, like, true villain status aside from he knew who everyone was he was part of the whole let's kill off all these mandalorian people and i mean he shot that box he did (laughs) shoot that box That's a great character setup, I thought, for him. I was like, he was the only one who knew to do that. He also had a private army of little death troopers that um, actually put up a fight against Mando. I was kind of impressed and happy that he didn't just knock them down and shoot them. Like, he actually had to kind of put up a fight against them. Yeah, they were great fights. I thought Gina uh, Carano was in for it, too, when they came in the door. I was like, they, they, they hyped up the uh, intensity on all those scenes yeah. really well with those death troopers. I like how they give them. They're not just completely disposable. They're not the dudes in the beginning just yep. trying to shoot that can. But, I mean, I, IG-11, just the speeder oh. bike. I mean, that was all. That was peak great stuff right there. Uh, the whole nurse droid uh, persona taking on. We get a lot of buildup to what IG-11 was going to do in this, uh, thinking that, you know, he would betray him. And, yeah, we got, we got super heroic droid once again. And it, it was, came out really well. Yay! <laughs> Did you really think that IG-11 was going to betray him? Nah. I, no, not at all. When, not for a second. I used to, I trusted Pig Nolte too much. I was like, he would never do that to him. They wouldn't. I trust him way too much. Once I saw him like driving, I mean, coming up to save the kid, I was like, "There's no way this is a setup for something." Yeah, it's especially with how awful the scout troopers are. And I how like how he's badly they get twice it. he's been introduced, just walking up to people, saying his lines like right in the middle of nowhere, completely unexpected. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so Zanger, what's your complaint with the TIE fighter? No, I'm not I'm just like, it's it's whole landing thing. I'm like, I just, I never, we've never seen a TIE fighter do that. And it's like, wait, what? I was reading something that apparently a, a collapsible wing TIE fighter was uh, concept art for The Force Awakens, and they repurposed it for this. See, that's cool. I'm down that's, with that. That's the only context I have for that. I don't know you, if that's something they all do or if that's something kind of like <laughs> a special thing for people yeah, I, of certain I thought models. The, I, thought, I thought the point of TIE Fighters and just the, the main design like that was that they couldn't land on planets. That's why they never wanted people to go AWOL. They could only land in those big Imperial hangars to be hung on. They couldn't – like it wouldn't hold the weight of it, and that was the point of their design. So troopers wouldn't escape. That's why they didn't have the hyperdrive either. Hmm. I, I've they, always heard – they made them so cheap. Yeah, that's right. I, I've always heard it was like they're they're fighters that are it's quantity over quality. 
yeah. easily. Maybe this those. was designed to like almost fit in with those, but be much more high tech. And it probably I guess it was like an officer's one, maybe instead of the Vader one. Yeah. Yeah, but this time it's not like Vader, where like if you're uh, if you're an X-wing, you're like, look, it's Darth Vader ship, and you like immediately know <laughs> it's got those bent wings. But uh, he's like, at least I can kind of uh, I can I can blend in with the the you know rebel bait guys. One thing I really wish we would have gotten with the Mandalorian is a Mandalorian visual dictionary. I was going to bring that up. I I immediately searched for one. I think after the last episode, I was like, all right, is it out yet? And it doesn't exist yet. It just it's not out there. Speaking of visual dictionaries, I think this is the perfect time to set this up. Um, so, what did everyone think of his, his the 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 flashback, the full flashback, the origin story, the oh my gosh, what am I, Din Din John, Din Jaren, Jana. We got to so give him a great right. name right now. Uh, Gui Gon Don John Don John Don John Don John Johnson Don Johnson. I hate you so much, Zach. Yes, we have we have the the titular Mandalorian's real name is Don me. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, what were you going to say, Sanger? What's in the visual dictionary that explains everything? Oh no, no, no! I wanted to know what everyone thought of that, and then I'll go from there. All right, who, uh, Russ? Do you want to say the positivity? Then I'll rain on the parade, or do you want to be the sunshine at the end of the? Oh no, no, no! I've 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 got some haterade to rain rain down on this situation. <laughs> Wait, what are we going to grab their umbrellas? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the subtitle of this podcast. What are we hating about now? <laughs> We're talking about uh, the army of Boba Fett that comes to save baby Mando. No, and his whole oh, back- I, I, I guess, I mean, I just assumed that there was this when they're still in battle modes why they showed that. Uh, yeah, I think we kind of, I think I, we all asked who, what Clone Wars character it would be. Like some, some of the oh, people say Ahsoka. Uh, yeah, we were all wrong about that. I said it was, I thought it'd be that Gideon guy, maybe. I think that's what I said. Way off on that. But yeah, just the Mandos. I mean, he kind of could have, it seemed like the simplest solution too. Like, well, yeah, we already told you the Mando saved him as a kid and the, the Mando saved him the end, you know? Okay. But my question though, with that, so I was, I rewatched episode chapter eight today and I'm trying to figure out the timeline of this. Cause obviously it's taking place during the Clone Wars, but mm-hmm. based on the color of the armor, it has to be death watch. Because at no other point were Mandalorians like off planet saving like random people. It has to be, and I, I looked at some of the Death Watch costumes or like color color schemes of their armor, and it's that same like blue pattern. So, are we seeing some form of Death Watch? Because the Mandalorians, remember from from the Clone Wars, were pacifists. They they stayed out of the war. Yeah, and yeah, it, the one that had conflict, broken off, trying to man. trying to kind of hide that past of violence, even though but then there were other tons of other sects of just the Mandos that we know, such as these. So yeah, they probably were, and they, if as they're taking foundlings, they're just bringing them to I don't know, like the, the Mandorphinage, where they just like you just sort them into whatever houses, give them their own houses, or I'll be in Death Watch. We, we here, we we'll just take them to you. That's what I'm thinking though, because there's no other explanation for it. It, it would have to be Death Watch. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I did like that we got to uh, he got his signet after all this. Uh, that I, I can imagine the the t shirts and tattoos to come soon of that and necklaces, much like the one in the episode. Well, that 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 necklace is just the myth the mytho mythosaur the Boba Fett symbol. Yeah, 
I, I want to say that we're we're in the midst of a move, so some of our stuff isn't around. I I bought my wife a necklace, not as huge as that, but that same thing a few years ago. Uh, it just again, in a jewelry store, they had that as a Disney branded Mandalorian or just that that they design really? on the necklace. So I have that. I have that thing. So when I get a baby Yoda, oh, you know it's going on his neck. <laughs> no, he goes in his mouth, Russ. Wherever he wants. Oh wait, that sounds good. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> no. All right, this are you ready for me. this? <laughs> so this this thing I'm about to read comes from the Star Wars, the Ultimate Visual Dictionary from 2005. So everything I'm reading is technically legend totally material. Totally and actually a super <laughs> accurate. It would never be wiped away by Disney. Never. <laughs> but I just want I just want want the people at home to 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 raise their hand when they hear something familiar. What I am reading from is the Clone Army, and it is the section Origins of a Bounty Hunter. On a colony world, the young Jango Fett was orphaned when his family was killed by a ruthless Death Watch, a bloodthirsty splinter group of, splinter group of ex-Mandalorian warriors. Jango was recruited and adopted by the true Mandalorians who maintained their millennia-old traditions as high-paid soldiers. Fett eventually became the Mandalorian's leader and destroyed Death Watch. But the, but that was two years before the Battle of Naboo, so that's kind of what got him. Um, oh, wait, hold on. But two years before the Battle of Naboo, a conflict with the Jedi left him the sole surviving Mandalorian warrior. Wait. I don't know. Death Watch was a thing before Clone Wars? Yeah. It was a Death Watch a uh, was in Star Wars Twitter. Galaxies. Uh, there was a group, oh. the Death Watch Bunker. They had a place called Death Watch Bunker, and they were all like, "That's where you could get Mando armor." It was completely impossible to do, like way next level. Oh, okay then. Well, I'm ignorant on that. So, because I, I was sitting there and I was like, "This seems vaguely familiar to something," and I randomly found my book within the time frame of watching the episode today and i was like let me see the origins of jenga real quick because i feel that i'm like oh it's basically almost the exact same so once again awesome job disney let's get rid of all the stuff that's from um from and make it legends but let's just keep stealing from it and changing pieces here and it's it is seriously let me copy off your homework hmm. but them going okay but make it a little bit different Clone Wars kind of just ushered all that like that out of the way, like y'all said. Yeah, I still don't know where they stand on Jango Fett. You have some people that say, no, he wasn't. And they go, well, that guy was a liar. I think we've talked about this, too. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're ever going to touch or I, say the word Jango I, Fett again. I did some research into that a few weeks ago. And what it is, is that, yes, there's the one guy in the Clone Wars who's like a Mandalorian official, but he's corrupt. But in the behind-the-scenes stuff on the Clone Wars Season 2 Blu-ray... Jorge Lucas says something like Django Fett was not a Mandalorian. So it's technically it's up in the air when it comes to canon, but it's something that Jorge did say back like in the late 2000s. Well, according to that, that article in that uh, visual dictionary thing I just read, it did point out that he was not born a Mandalorian, but like adopted their culture and everything. So I would imagine as of now, Lucasfilm probably, unless they explicitly say so they uh otherwise they're probably leaning towards Django fett and boba fett not being mandalorians 
Uh, we're just sitting here just trying to figure out where we're going to really put these guys. And we're going to have, like, the true Mandalorians, which is like... Which which is like true crab meat, and then and then they're like imitation crab meat. The armor's cooler. They have double flamethrowers. <laughs> uh, I, I the more and more I watch the Mandalorian, I'm convinced that they they did come to their senses, and they realized, oh crap, we cannot make a Boba Fett film TV show. Because no matter what we do, some level of of the fandom will be angry at us. So let's just remake Boba Fett into a new image. And I think that's what the Mandalorian yeah. is. It's just that yeah. we've realized Boba Fett is just one of those sacred cows. Um, he, there's, he really has no identity. So no matter what we do, someone's going to be angry. There'll be some guaranteed level of backlash, so much more so than what we typically have to go through. So it's best yeah. just to sit there, create a whole new character that's just not Boba Fett. I will say one thing about uh, bringing up Jango Fett. I did think about Jango Fett once this episode. Now, there was a scene where, they're, they're, of course, they're locked down in episode eight, and there's that sewer grate, right? Which is, I've definitely seen that sewer grate in a bunch of Star Wars games. But definitely, I've seen those things in the game Bounty Hunter, where you play mm-hmm. as Jango Fett. Wow, and it's something David ch- reference. And you can walk up to those grates in the game, and he has a little, like, a, a blowtorch in his wrist, and he just opens it. And as soon as they saw it, I was like, oh, he's just going to go use his blowtorch, like the game. And they're like, we can't get past this thing. I'm like, you idiots. That was Django Fett could have taught y'all something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing with the sewer grate, I'm like, why Why is it that you can't even shoot a sewer grate open? I find that fascinating that, like, there's, there's a vent, and it's, like, it's it's that reinforced. That literally yeah, Leia like kicked doesn't... one of them and it just exploded. She's like, I need the garbage shoot, Mando. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do that. Actually, now that you bring it up, Russ, I'm surprised we didn't get Gina Carano Ooh. like telling like Space Carl Weathers like into the into the garbage shoot, Fly Boy, or 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 Bounty Hunter Bounty Boy, Bounty Buddy, <laughs> Bounty Buddy. <laughs> All new plush line coming to Disney stores all across the nation. Buy your bounty buddies. Get, get your oh. bounty buddy. Baby Yoda, baby Mando, baby Gina Carano, baby uh, Space Carl Weathers. Baby I got a Reese who skipped bail. I got a Mon Cal who killed a man. We got <laughs> bounty buddies. Let's get them. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so I guess going just the focus a little. Anything else about Chapter Seven? Anybody wants to highlight? Like I, I, I did like that we reintroduced the Cara Dune back on the. What were you describing it, Zenger? The 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 feudal society planet. Yeah, and and she's in the bar, and she's what Beating having people the, up. Well, she's having what the tethered like like fighting match. They have like the space tether or like the electric tether between them. Yeah. And whoever yeah. taps out obviously loses. And I do love that, like, again, Mando walks in and like we like the fight's over and they're at the table talking to each other as they're having a drink. And I love that like the guy she was fighting um like walks by and throws some credits to the table and she just kind of looks up at him and we don't and the camera doesn't even really focus on her it's still kind of like that master shot and she's like come back soon and i just like it's those small little touches of when the characters are allowed to have their little flourishes that's the sort of stuff i want out of star wars content like whether it be that moment or like in the Rise of Skywalker, Ben Solo like turning around, like having the lightsaber to his back is like one of the Knights of Red strikes it. And he goes, and he lets out like a little sigh, 
it's those little character flourishes is what makes these characters feel so real to us. It's not Mando picking up the E-Web and just mowing a bunch of random stormtroopers down. No one's going to remember that moment a year from now. But they're going to remember the small little flourishes. Again, like we said earlier, with Space Carl Weathers. And he's like, like he's what's up? eat me. There you go. It's it's those like it's the character moments that make Star Wars resonate, not the spectacle. So and, so you're saying I'm gonna remember Ben Solo jumping, hitting a chain, and going, ow. Yes. That will live for that will live longer than uh, uh, Mando in an IG eighty eight, I'm sorry, not IG eighty eight, uh, blowing himself up. At the mouth of a lava river. No one's going to remember that a year from now. It's just going to be another forgotten moment. But they are going to remember Space Carl Weathers being like, Baby Yoda, wave your hands in front of the TIE fighter. That, that, that will last a lot longer. It, ha- it will have the staying power. It's so frustrating. This show knows when to do that. Yet it also does the dumb stuff. Like have the villain who doesn't really do anything villainy. Like he's just he there. Talks about They talk about how he was a villain, but that's it. That's what I mean. Like, we don't really... Like, he knew him, her like, first name. He was, like, fussing at her. And like, she's from <laughs> Alderaan, too. Yeah, there was another, there's another thing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and a little more uh, to back up that fire against the Empire. Yeah, that that's fine. That's just, like, again, you keep the characters' backstories, like, brisk um, and light. That's fine. But, again, we have a villain that's just... And I get that's not what this season was going for. It was not going for like a long, like overarching villain that's been like pulling strings the entire time. Um, but no, he's just kind of there. And then like what really kind of made me angry too at the end of chapter eight is that like Mando there flies. <laughs> Mando flies, puts the detonator on the TIE fighter. It like blows the wing off of it and it goes crashing into the ground. And they're in like the show's like, okay, say like wave goodbye. It's like an episode of Teletubbies. It's like, all right, everybody, say bye bye to Baby Yoda. Bye bye. Bye bye. I will say the ending was a little strange how they were just like, well, it looks as if we've cleared this entire planet of any problems it could ever have. <laughs> and by the way, the guild is back together. And now, how would you like to join? How's the baby doing? I know you have to. It was, yeah, it wrapped up like breakneck speed. And that, that, look, we've watched enough. We just watched Rise as a skywalker if that ship ain't blowing up come on come on russ it's not like anybody also survived are... the tie fighter crash before in star wars no jaw was like just cockroaches and are just everywhere on the planet and just <laughs> instantly come out yes and it's watching this as soon as they see any metal thing in the sky there's multiple ones watching it it's just, just running one after of them it. crash yes they're kind of the they, equivalent they have the force bringing them down they're the Star Wars equivalent of paralegals. They chase the ambulances around just hoping that they get something. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like that ending, it's like, is, is, is nobody get checked to make sure that he's dead? Like, anyone ever hear of double tap in Star Wars? It's like, uh, just to make it sure. It's funny if he, he slowly flew over us by waving by and then just like shot the hell out of it, like real quick, you know, just as another, and they're like, ha in a little pause scene. Well, that's okay. That's another question I have. And I think uh, Jim brought it up a couple weeks ago was the idea of like the Razor Crest. It's like, why don't they ever use that ship in any sort of offensive capabilities? Like, if you're considering all the times we've seen just from this season alone, where like, if he's like, why doesn't he have some level? Well, that, yeah. And even in this, like, they are cornered in a courtyard 
all he's got to do is have IG-88 fly through and do one like strafing run, and you've wiped out half of the platoon. But he doesn't trust droids. Then make Space not uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nick Nolte Ugnot stay behind and do that. He like, sent he him to go do that. But why make him come along? That's the weird thing. It's like, like I, I don't know. It's like, it's just, I get it. It's a TV show. You don't have a plot unless certain things happen. But you'd think at some point in the show, someone would have been like, why can't, like, like it's like, ha- like we should be rendez- rendezvousing with the Razor Crest. And there should be some line of dialogue being like, oh, those, like, like that, you don't always get back from the job was what they promise. Something like that. Just explain it away with a line of dialogue. Except that ship is just basically a glorified bus. It mm-hmm. just it just moves the characters from A to B to C. Like imagine if we were watching Empire Strikes Back and it's like, oh, when they're being chased by TIE fighters, the Falcon can't do anything. It just kind of sits there. It's like, well, it doesn't make sense. It's a ship. Right. We've, it we, doesn't what? do anything. It just flies. But he does do things with that in the sense that like, he's always trying to out like we see him outmaneuvering the uh, Star Destroyers. He does have it does have offensive capabilities. But the thing about those that in Empire, he's never in a situation where the again, that's part of the brilliance of Empire is that he's never put in a predicament Han Solo where the offensive capabilities of the Falcon can get him out of the current problem he's in. Whereas the Mandalorian, all he's got to do is do one strafing run in that courtyard, and his most of his problems will dissipate. That's not yeah, how you solve that's problems, just the, Zach. Yeah, maybe that's that's not the way. That's not, that's oh, not the way. Oh man, all these bills I've got due. Well, better do a strafing run on them. <laughs> uh, but it's true though. Like again, like Russ said, the ATST. The, the yeah, uh, that's one where. I mean, I don't know. Uh, that that was a little much. Where you're like, he could have probably done that. Probably is that a sing a very singular problem to have and a lot to go through to get rid of it. Well, yeah, especially after we like, I get it, like not happening in chapter five because like, oh, it's like like highly damaged from the space battle in the first like two minutes. But in this, it's like what? Well, why? Like you'd think, considering that, like, okay, like they they know they're going to be double crossed. They know they're going to be kind of like outgunned, and it's like, nope. It's just there. It sits in the corner and collects dust. Yeah, he's got, I don't know. He got his important stuff on there. Who knows? I don't know. It's, it, there's weird things with this show. That I just wonder. It's like, oh, and I get it. Like, the Mandalorian isn't supposed to be like this omnipotent like, character that's supposed to think his way out of every problem. He is kind of like a shoot from the hip guy. But I don't know. It's weird. You have this weird sort of just thing that you, that you think they should be using because i even saw articles today online being like mandalorian finally solves the massive plot hole in empire strikes back and I'm like, wait what? which one what? yeah i'm like i'm like what the hell are they talking about you stop know, watching the- stupendous waves videos on you oh oh wait that wasn't him this time no, this is from a website called fatherly.com. I didn't click the article, but I could kind of figure out what the article was getting at based on the thumbnail. What it was was that when IG-88 uses the back to spray on Mandalorian, apparently we finally see back to used on screen for the first time in sort of an appreciable way. And that solves the massive plot hole in The Empire Strikes Back. Because okay. Luke gets put into the back to after the Wampa attack. Right, and then we finally had like a back to suit in Last Jedi, and uh, I mean we've seen. I think I feel like we've so, seen it. In so things. we have 
a back to tank, a back to suit, back to spray. Does it come in a bomb or cream I can maybe use? <laughs> back to aroma candles. Oh, I can only to. hope. Yeah, that like I said, no, again, the, the Star Wars fandom's all over the place. That's the problem. Like, there's just Who so much garbage. To be? Well, like, like Senator said, though, so much crap on like I, I keep seeing videos on YouTube about this, and it's like. Why? It's like I guess like everybody keeps saying Star Wars is dead, but it's like it doesn't seem that way based on the people that are trying to grift money off of it. <laughs> For true, that's and what I mean. Def- definitely with the popularity of this show too. I think this is a uh, this is definitely the one of the most like especially Baby Yoda is one of the most popular things that's come out uh, as far as Star Wars goes. I, I really think if you got to watch out. I mean, when season two comes, they're gonna, that's going to be so much hype. There's going to be so much cool stuff coming for this. I still don't think that this show is like anywhere near as ubiquitous as a lot of the fans are making it to be. I still think more people will have watched the Rise of Skywalker opening weekend than will have watched The Mandalorian in its entire run. I just, I, I just get that feeling. Like, like what? As of now, Disney Plus has somewhere of like north of ten million subscribers. That's still a fraction of Netflix. And even things like Stranger Things that like we're, we're led to believe are this super duper like ubiquitous thing. It's like Stranger Things is popular in the sense of like it's 2019 and it's rare for anything to get any sort of mainstream attention. But I still don't think this Baby Yoda thing, like, like even with Rise of Skywalker, I had to explain a lot of people who, like what Baby Yoda was. It's like, oh, I'm like, oh, when Baby Yoda happens, they're like, what the hell is that? They're like baby Yoda is that is that like the Muppet Baby's version of him? I'm like no, like it's this thing they're doing. I I, yeah, I think I think in the Star Wars community everybody knows who Baby Yoda is, but I still don't think it's anywhere near as ubiquitous. Like to normies is like what Ray is. Like I think like since Disney has taken over Star Wars, Ray is the most like well known thing. To the normies and filthy casuals, I do not I think, think that Kylo is- Ren. I think Kylo Ren uh, is put on a lot of marketing and stuff, and I think I feel like people know him well, pretty well. Well, well, what I mean though is that, like, yes, like certain I'm character. Well, I think certain character designs are just inherently Star Wars. Like, if you were to show, like, imagine, like, five years ago, like, you're Disney, you're doing market research. It's, like, the fall of 2014, and you show somebody a picture of Kylo Ren's helmet, and you gave them, like, five choices. You're like, okay, what do you think, if you had to guess, what do you think the the property this comes from? It's, like, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, (laughs) uh, Battlestar Galactica. Like, and you have a list of things. (laughs) Waterworld. <laughs> I pick Waterworld every time. But I think that's what it is. Like certain things are inherently Star Warsy. I think Kylo Ren's helmet was designed to be very reminiscent of a Star Warsy element. Ray is just a very attractive woman. I mean, like to somebody who doesn't know what Star Wars is. She's, she's again, Daisy Ridley's a pretty woman. And I think she the character of Ray has done a better job at punctuating or puncturing the world of non-Star Wars fans. Because, again, you see her with that lightsaber, and you're like, oh, this is the new era of Star Wars. I will say, uh, definitely a lot of normies seeing it because my wife did go buy that Ray skin on Fortnite. My wife plays Fortnite. And she uh, she came in right before we started and was like, I killed a few people with a lightsaber today on Fortnite with Ray. I was like, oh, God, those poor kids playing that. I'm like, i so frustrated. <laughs> like, yeah, some woman with a lightsaber is coming whack and killing them. It's so funny. But that's what I mean, though. It's like, I think we, I think even you mentioned it, Russ, when you were talking about like the Fortnite thing they were doing a few weeks ago. It's like Ray is one of the, is, is, 
maybe who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years, but definitely between the years of 2015 to 2019 and probably 2020, Ray is the face of Star Wars. She just yeah, is. Yeah. Like whether you yeah, like her or not, bit. she is. Yeah, yeah, she's the Luke of this uh this whole you know, takeover part. Yeah. And she did great. She did great. But, uh, but, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, let's see, folks. I can't. I, I can't make horrible puns on this podcast. But uh, Bob, we'll be right back. <laughs> um. All right. I'm trying to think of more stuff from from Mandalorian chapter. What more can I complain about? I don't think it's complaining. It's just the idea that like really nothing yeah. of substance happens in this. Where it's like, I guess. Okay, this is one thing I do want to bring up. Um, they keep saying the siege of Mandalore. I was always led to believe that the Siege of Mandalore was the mall thing from the Clone Wars. No, apparently other stuff happened, I guess, afterwards, where the Empire was like, we're going there now. But no, but I mean, though, like, the term, the Siege of Mandalore, has always been used in context to mall in the ending of the Clone Wars. Like, I know, like, I've I've referenced it now how many times on here, that when Cowboy Hat Man was, like, Celebration 2016, that... The ending of the Clone Wars with Ahsoka and Rex on Mandalore with Maul is called the Siege of Mandalore. The Siege of Mandalore in the context of the Galactic Civil War, I again, I could be wrong, but I've never heard of it that way before. And it's weird that they're just they're, they're using that term willy-nilly, but based on a lot of stuff Lucasfilm is doing, especially in the context with, with Kylo Ren and the, the Rise of Skywalker, I wouldn't be surprised that they're just they're playing loose and fast with the canon now. Well, they well they need to rebuild all of it after they went. Yeah, none of this exists. No, but that's 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 not true because that's all terminology connected to uh, Clone Wars two thousand eight. We don't know. All right, all right. <laughs> sh- 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 shifting gears right now. Um, Finally, uh, shifting. Yes. So, anything else about? Uh, I'm trying to think. Anything else about chapters seven and eight that just that, that stand out? Like, there's there's things here and there. Like, I, I kind of like the uh, the dro- the fairy droid that's like it's an astromech that has like arms and legs that has that's like oh god piloting a little like lava gondola. I thought that was you a mean, little touch. You mean woke D two? Yeah, those guys seem real chill until he stood up, and <laughs> I was really surprised by that. Uh, I liked it. It asked a lot of questions. My initial thought was, I was like, because we're already seeing all the toys like Favreau played with. I was like, yeah, this is him just like mashing together toys at this point, putting like some three feel legs onto R two for some reason and making him even weirder. Was, I like that. That was really cool. I I, I thought he was going to ask me if they lifted. You you lift, bro. <laughs> Why well, even I didn't even get to with like Cara Doom. She's like, tell it to stop. And it's like, stop. And she like blows its like dome off. And I'm like, did did you try just maybe taking the little like paddle out of its hands? Oh it's now like- now we're sitting here sit, sitting here going for, for droid justice. Well when a one way trip. <laughs> I don't know, it's just weird. It's just like I I the fact that she just shoots the droid immediately, I'm like, oh, does she like if Mando did that it would make sense considering his disdain for droids. Uh, but for I, her, but does he like, have it anymore? Well, maybe he was a little reformed at that point. I think at that point there's a lot of desperation. I mean, they they were in desperation mode as soon as they, you know, and that was one of uh 
Moff, Moff Giancarlo's good lines, and he's like, "Yeah, that shooting tells me your desperation set again." It's like, yeah, it really was. Like they 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 built up tension well. And I want to talk about what about all the Mando's, uh, the Mando oh, yes. skulls or whatever, the dead, the pile of dead Mando uh, junk. Some true I... Star Wars junk right there. It was just junked. It was valuable junk. I was she was melting it down. She she cleaned up that whole area before she wrecked it with a ton of stormtrooper bodies. Because there there was nothing like, like if you noticed outside of the place, it was clean. And then she went and decided to to hack up a few stormtroopers and throw one in the freaking fire itself. That was cool. Oh, man, what a good day for her. She's got all that new armor to now use. Yeah, I like that trope they're using because they did that in the. Uh... In the CW episode, also where they threw that one guy like in the blue juice or whatever, that bright yeah. blue juice that they all drink. I would notice they were actually drinking that again in the other episode, when, in, in seven when he went back to get her, and it looked like the same stuff those dudes were brewing in that camp that he like shoved that guy in. Yeah, in the one where they were on the um on the primeval planet. I mean, not the primeval, the um the yeah the the Xena world or whatever. Yeah, warrior <laughs> princess. Do you think that cocktail is available at Galaxy's Edge? Like, if you go there, do you think you can order it? But maybe I, you got you wait till the. I think that's going to take a little time. The little face lift that we're going to see where they're adding. Well, I mean, Baby Yoda's going to be invading there soon. But I mean, I I I, I want to ask if you're going to ask us what do we think is going to happen? Like, as far as where this show's going to go, we're going to do like a prediction thing. Or are we going to save that for? I mean, we got months till season two. Well, right? we, we can do whatever we want. Um, uh, but no, I just want to get back to your point about the 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 pile of uh, Mando armors, and uh, I, I was delighted by that. I think I've made it loud and clear my contempt for the army of flying Boba Fett's that come in and save the day <laughs> at Chapter Three. So the fact that they're all dead just delights me. I'm like, oh, thank God we don't have to go through this again. I'm like, thank God we just don't have like the, the roaming army of flying Boba Fett's that are going to just be the like, Deus Ex Machina from everything. Like, it's not going to be Gandalf, uh, Gandalf on the the flying eagles. Like, thank God, like we, we eliminate that. Um, I God, thought that Brew took a hard line on this episode. I, yeah, I all those Mandos are dead. Series. I'm delighted. <laughs> I was very happy. You need that quote, Ross. Right. All these, all these Mandos are dead. Head to the west. Yeah, head to the sky. Here's your jetpack. <laughs> But don't <laughs> don't use it anytime soon. You have to practice it. I guess I like that. That's part of the uh, almost the religion is the jetpack. With like, you know, it's very mystical getting this object. Have you practiced uh, Harry Potter? You know, flying Phoenix or what? what however, Phoenix. she called it. It's the yeah. rising Phoenix. Rising Phoenix, and he's like, yeah, sure, sure. And I got the impression from that because then he put, of course, puts the jetpack on and he full rocketeer Iron Man just takes out a Tie Fighter. It does a hero landing. Uh, maybe Mando is a little more like advanced than even the other Mandos think because she she's almost warning him like just like the whistling birds like, well, don't use this right away. Just get used to it. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then five minutes later, it's already spent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that sort of thing is fine. And you knew the moment he gets that jetpack, it was only a matter of time. There's a little, like a little timer appears on the screen, you're like counting down, like T minus five, four. Right, and he's gonna have the he's gonna, he's gonna have the rifle strapped on the back of that thing yeah, with another thing on there. He's gonna look like that like pack rat guy from episode seven soon. <laughs> Where's his gun at, by the way? Maybe he ran out of ammo. That's the only like in world me trying to justify why it isn't constantly disintegrating people with that thing. But even still, he it, he still uses it as a shock 
doesn't he still use yeah. it as like a shocker though too? Yeah, yeah, and it's got it's got it's got a great sight on it too. It, it seemed like it had a lot of uses. I don't know, maybe he was maybe oh, because well, remember they brought him in as a prisoner, and he can't go in with a rifle strapped to his back, right? No, but we haven't had seen to take it since pistols and stuff since the feudal planet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he, like I said, maybe spent those charges. And I can make it. Make I can. I'll say, yeah, you couldn't bring him in as a prisoner with that strapped on his back. So that does that does relay why he wouldn't have had it during that. Oh no, I get that though. But like Sanger, Sanger has a point though. He could, it can it would have been very useful even in the chapter five episode when they're trying to look at the ridge with Ming Na Wen. Um, yeah. What was it? Chapter six. Probably he probably couldn't. He he could have still have used it as a, as a taser. Oh, so in that ship, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, again, we've seen him use it in tight spaces, so it's not like it's exclusively a long-range weapon. Maybe it was one of those, like, for some reason, the writers or something were like, hey, this is making everything too easy for this character. (laughs) Like, seriously, guys. No disintegration. So we got a note from the front. (laughs) (laughs) The Force Ghost of Vader showed up and went, no disintegration. You don't tell me what to do, old man. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, the fight sequence with the armorer kind of just bashing the hell out of the stormtroopers. That was neat. I it like that. It's kind of 300 kind of one of those Wrath of the Titans almost. I don't know. It, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice change of pace. It's nice to just have something other than just the shoot them, shoot the stormtroopers in the chest. How, it, it what, was, what was, way have we not killed stormtroopers yet? Have they, they've been eaten by monsters? Probably. Uh, we've been shot millions of times. We've blown them up in planes. I don't know. What else can we do to them? Bash them with hammers? Yeah, let's do that. Just <laughs> die of old age. <laughs> trying to think of other things to talk about with this dumb show. Um, <laughs> no, I am. I'm kind of struggling being like, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, like, yes, there's, they're playing very cutesy when it comes to the lore. Like you guys yeah, said, like oh, the Jedi stuff. When when he's oh, kind yeah. of he sent on his final, you know, this is this is the season two uh, arc. We're going to send you on. You have to go. You have to find the land. I mean, he's very vague. I like his description where he's like, "So I'm supposed to find uh, a planet or a race of of sorcerers that once tried to kill us all." Oh, okay, I don't think I can do that. Like I love Jedi being called sorcerers again. That that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, it's uh that that stuff is neat though. But like I kind of wish we had part. Oh no, no, I, I like that part in the sense of like it, it's neat. I want I want some more of that lore to chew on. Um, I, I this ambiguous nonsense just so we can have another firefight is just annoying. Um, especially on the small screen. Like as I was watching this, I'm like, wow, wouldn't this like like when Mando's like trying to get a like, get a foothold on the Tie Fighter and he's trying to put the explosive on it. I'm like, wow, this would be so neat if I could watch this like in a movie theater with like 7.1 surround sound, not like on my television, like with two like, with like three speakers. I'm like, that that's the thing is like I feel like certain moments of the show deserve better than the small screen. And that's kind of my. That's kind of the shame of this. It's like you wish they could have. They could do a little bit more with it. But I, again, I, I get it. I'm the old man here. Yo, uh, you got to upgrade your system, bro. Well, even still, even if you, I don't care if you have <laughs> an 80 inch television set. It's still not the. Yeah, like, right. You don't get the same impact. I, I know what you mean, Russ. Um, it's not entirely sarcastic what you're saying. Uh, that's what I mean, though. It's like certain moments of this would really kind of like have a punch to them. And it just doesn't because television is inherently a small screen medium. 
I'll be honest to uh, avoid spoilers. Uh, you know where I'm living now. Yeah, we had a pretty nice TV and system, so it's it's you get a, a decent experience watching it. But I I know things are gonna get spoiled, so I gotta watch it on my phone at work on Friday afternoon. All right, I hope my work don't know about this. Yeah, I gotta watch it on my phone. I always watch my first viewing is on my phone where I'm sitting at my desk and I got an earbud in and I'm half paying attention to what's going on. And uh, yeah, that that sucks. I'll love to get home and just watch it in, you know, so maybe that is that I, I feel like it's a theater experience because I do initially watch it on my phone first. But that's kind of like my my complaint, not just with like Disney and their treatment of Star Wars, but again, it's media as a whole is that like even maybe we'll do a, probably some of this next week. I don't know. Um, like even looking at like the box office for the Rise of Skywalker, um, I think it's inevitable now that after the numbers that Rise of Skywalker is showing, and they are they're not bad, but they're they're disappointing. Like I I would imagine unless Disney forecasted this very very conservatively, um, the Rise of Skywalker is going to be seen as a disappointment. Um, the three year hiatus is definitely going to happen, and I think there's a very real possibility that just Disney Plus is the home of Star Wars for the foreseeable future. I could see them very easily being like, why are we going to spend? $250 million and almost double that for marketing cost. Whereas we can sit there, put like 85 to a hundred million dollars into a TV show and then control the narrative about how great it is. Like think about it. Like we're never going to know how much, like what the viewership is for the Mandalorian. Um, of course there's estimates, but those are all kind of done by third party independent agencies. So I think that's what's going to happen eventually. There's going to be like, you know what? This like I, I think I posted in the, the Knights of Vader Facebook group. I was watching uh, uh, the news this morning, and there was I the love headline. This, this headline. And, yes, this <laughs> headline. I was hoping you would mention this. I'm so happy you are. Let's hear it. The headline is. I have to. I want to read it to make sure I get it right. It says study colon Star Wars fans are almost impossible to please. <laughs> Whoa! Shocker. Soccer, who could have seen this coming? Breaking all these news. We never would have called that. But that's why that, that's kind of the point I'm getting at. I think Disney's finally learning why George Lucas sold all this. Is that like you have a fan base that's constantly at war with itself. Everybody looks forward to getting angry at this point. And it's like and even me, like I'm I don't I'm not angry about the Mandalorian. Yes, I'm not thrilled about certain aspects of it, but I'm kind of taking the force ghost gym perspective of I'd rather have something than nothing. And it's just a shame that like that something now is relegated to the small screen. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping they do do some kind of uh Think about it. They could do a little, little, little limited release where they just mash it into a thing. And uh, who? How long would it be? Almost what? Four and a half hours, maybe. Uh, at this point, maybe a long thing. Maybe an intermission. Yeah, it's something like that. It's not too unwieldy, but yeah, you might see it in a limited run. I wouldn't count that out as an option at some point. I, but that costs money to do though. So unless they, unless they're doing it maybe next fall to hype up season two, but I don't think so. I think Disney wants the streaming service. Like I, I do think we're getting yeah. to a point. Where Disney wants to cut out the theaters, they want like they want you to sign up for the seventy dollar a month Disney Plus plan. So if you like, when uh uh oh god, what's what's a Zenger? Give me a Marvel film that's coming out in a couple of years. Um, The Eternals. Okay, sure, I'll take it. Like sure. when The Eternals comes out in theaters, you'll sign up for the seventy dollar a month plan, so you can watch it that weekend in your own home. 
That's what so Disney I can wants. World Girl in twenty twenty three in my own home at the low low price of like a thousand dollars a month. Yes, only, only. What if Disney buys the Joker? Just him. I mean, Batman doesn't have him anymore, and they just own the Joker. <laughs> Seems dumb enough to do. <laughs> right, right, right. The Joker, baby. You write Warner Brothers a check. We just want the Joker, not Batman. No, you can no. Keep we want him. Harley Quinn, meh, might be a princess. We'll might if you could throw her in, we'll take her. They already got Harley Quinn Star Wars. It's the Twi'lek from Chapter uh, Six. Oh, <laughs> you with your edgy joke, you. Yeah, you, I know. Aren't I clever? You cunning individual. Who hey, Russ, he's after our job again. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so that's kind of that's my thing. It's like I I I don't know what Disney's doing. They're goofy. Um, I don't think Disney knows what they're. Yeah, I I don't think anyone knows what they're doing. I don't think again. I I'm honestly convinced now after the uh, the Rise of Skywalker box office situation, and I love that like JJ's doing interviews and he's like he's like I'm made up as I go along. Like hate my movie as much as you want. I'm out of here. Like he, JJ kind of feels like a kid. It's like the last week of school. He's like, thank God this is over with. Does anybody oh, yeah, ever see him just going door. out on a scooter surrounded by a ton of money? No, he's going to go out on a speeder bike with wheels because they can't make him float. <laughs> uh, shout out to Chris for doing that Facebook video. Uh, Chris Chris from the Knights of Vader group yeah, talk, talked a good bit about how how, bad, how much he did not like the uh, the speeder bikes that just rolled on the ground. And that speeder bike technology is going way backwards, J.J., <laughs> um thank you facebook for letting me know that that did not happen um <laughs> good old zuck uh uh yeah i i i i i'd love to be a fly on the wall in lucasfilm right now someone kicks in the door i've got it i know it's gonna make him love us again i like to imagine we like stop. well okay there's this very interesting thing because i i got maybe a third of the way through it Red Letter Media did their review of the Rise of Skywalker, oh, God. And, I, and they and they talk about it very early in the review that like back in two thousand like nine, in one of the Plinket reviews, they're talking about how how J.J. Abrams should have directed the prequel trilogy, and they make a joke and they're like, "What was he like? Like sixteen? How the hell would he do that?" I I don't know. Just I guess it was meant to say somebody like that. I I don't know. But the point being, the joke they were making was that, like, are we responsible, Red Letter Media, for J.J. Abrams being involved with Star Wars? And at the end of this little bit that they do, they're like, probably not, but we don't know. And I would like to imagine that a couple of years from now, we're going to be having this exact same thing when Pitchman Zenger is running Lucasfilm. <laughs> like, like Zenger gets a phone call we don't like know. the very next day. He's like, and Zenger's like, guys, like, I got to quit the podcast. And it's like, Zenger, wh- why? What's happening? He's like, well, I really can't say anything. I signed a, like a non-disclosure agreement. Then we hear like in the news the next day, local Virginia man in charge of Star Wars now. And, and, and Zenger wearing the uh, wearing the incinerator trooper helmet combined with like his giant porn pop. Yeah, he's, he's just on the local news to people going. Well, this is Squidhead. He's from Star Wars. And I- <laughs> that's I'm like going to that- do a series on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh god, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like Mandalorian is just one of those things that, like, maybe, maybe I know a lot of people want Favreau to replace Kathleen Kennedy. I don't think he'll ever do that. I think Favreau's too much of a hands-on type of guy. I think he'll consult with them, like, like in like any sort of capacity, considering that he really has become a company man for the Walt Disney Company. Um, but I don't see Favreau ever inheriting the mantle from Kathleen Kennedy in that oh, sense. I- yeah, yeah, I don't relinquish his either, hold on but, Marvel. Well, he's yeah, not really. He's definitely he's definitely a Disney company company man. I mean, with all just not only what what did he direct the Jungle Book, correct? Yeah, uh, Lion the King. Iron Man films, right? The Lion King. He did Jungle Book as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's just so squarely Disney, and I think when you work in and you prove yourself in Star Wars, and he knows JJ's out. I think we will get. It might take a couple years, but we will get more cinematic things. And I think it will be Favreau, uh, at least writing or leading the way on that. Yeah. I, I, I Again, that's the weird thing, though, is that, like, are they going to sit there, have, like, a... Like, Kathleen Kennedy is not a creative executive in the way that, like, somebody like Kevin Feige is at Marvel. But clearly she's somebody that knows the industry and the business, so are they going to do like, I guess, I, I don't know. I would imagine like after like everybody keeps saying like, Oh, Kathleen Kennedy's contracts up in 2023. She's out. Like she's done a horrible job. And it's like, not really like, think about it. She was signed to her deal for Lucasfilm back at the end of 2012. So it's like in a couple of years, she'll be fulfilling a 10 year term as the head of the company. Like it's, it's kind of rare for someone to be, to stay in a position like that for so long so like whether i think there's so much with comes with comes with that position too that that like somebody like fabro just does not want to have to come to be completely responsible for all these aspects and overseeing it that's 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 what she is she's done great at i think it's the more the paperwork stuff like i think fabro is really good being hands-on as a creative like on set and things like that but there's a lot of like boring paperwork, like like back office type stuff that has to be done, and that's what the head of the company has to deal with. And I just don't think I, can, I think he could do it if he wanted to. It's not like I don't think he's capable of it. It's just that he doesn't. That's just not what he wants to do in life. That's not his version of uh, advancing to the next level. And again, I have no idea who they're going to bring in to replace Kathleen Kennedy. Like I, I maybe it would be a protege of hers. I know there's like Michelle. Rijuan, I'm probably mispronouncing her name. Um, it could be somebody like that. I don't know. I, I think Lucasfilm definitely could uh, probably improve itself with a creative like executive at the helm. Somebody who really, I'm not saying somebody who loves Star Wars, just somebody who has an eye for just filmmaking. Someone who's just not a, a someone who signs the front of the check. That's true. But uh, getting back to the Mandalorian, um, I, other than that, I really I'm I'm trying to think of anything else that's really worth talking about. Well, this one other thing, you know, if, we, if we're just gonna you know kind of wrap up the Mandalorian season one, and overall, I gotta say, I really I've loved it a lot, and I like that my kids are super into it more than the movies and anything, and there's genuine excitement and care for Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian, like uh, pretty much uh, you know my family is super super into it. But I want to ask you guys, uh, do you have any just wild predictions? This is like this furthest away we can make any predictions for season two of what we might see or any kind of plot thread i have two and i'll start it off so i think for one who do we know uh that yoda has good relations with 
the Wookiees. Okay, so that there you go. So if you're trying to find out where these Wait, Yodas are from, or what they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here good. we go. I, I was making so sure I heard that right. I'm, I'm not saying we'll see Chewbacca, but if the Yodas and the Chewbaccas have great, the Wookies have great oh, relations. No. Oh, this thread, no. this there's a thread. You have to have. He'll go and have to maybe go to Kashyyyk, no, and maybe no. they know something about. It. So we're going to Kazook next year, and also. No. Also, I think they're going to give us the live-action Thrawn because I think that he's still around, kicking around, probably. And we got Moff Gideon. That, that That's going to be the villain is going to kind of flesh out some empire, hidden dark empire, failing, fallen empire, whatever. Those are my two predictions. I like the Thrawn. The thing, the thing that terrifies me, though, is if we go back to Kazoo, you know we're getting, considering Favreau loves the holiday oh. special... We're Get some see, lumpies. We're going to see Lumpy in Mala. See? In, in oh, you forgot a Fabro holiday special. We are, I'm calling it now. No one's saying it. I, we're going to see the Wookiees on El Kazook. Oh. And they know, because they have great relations with the Yodas. And we, I don't know what else to call them <laughs> at this point. I've seen videos. I saw videos of some guy calling them like Tridactyls or something. There's some bad non-canon name for Yodas. We don't know that yet. But yeah, I'm predicting Wookiees. I can see them doing that. Just don't make them look like them sick Wookiees in Solo, please. I, I, uh, Mala or whatever. Not Mala. Whatever that guy's name was. You know the Wookiee <laughs> in Solo. Russ, go get your visual dictionary out of the solo film. You'll, you'll, his name's literally in there, right. right it's right in front of me. Hold I on, know he's in. I, I've like seen that page. Before. Steve. His name's Steve. <laughs> Man, Lando looks cool in here. Um, All right, Zanger. Well, Russ continues to look up the name of the yeah, sad looking Wookiee. What do you want out of Mandalorian season two? I thought that this show was a breath of fresh air. I didn't think it was going to do bad, but it's like it was just such. This gave me hope in Star Wars again. Like, the movies kind of have run their path. This gave me hope for the future of Star Wars. And and as I said, I know Zach's, like, slowly cringing. Indeed, I am. Because I'm like... It might as well be sad walk too. Sad. This is a sad Planet of the Apes Wookie. Uh, I also did make a good Planet of the Apes reference when I talked about that dead chimp putting Kylo Ren's helmet together. But yeah, maybe uh-huh. uh, maybe Mustafar. That was my favorite thing that you knew that. Maybe Mustafar is like a Planet of the Apes now. <laughs> sure. Um, that's that's what they rebuild it as in what Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. You blew it all up. Um, so you're saying, Zinger? Uh, I, I, I just, I really love that this is like, I think that this breathed a breath of fresh air into the franchise. It gave us something we like, like an angle we haven't seen, like a small screen. And I just want to see more. I, I want to see more Star Wars like this because I feel the movies have run their course, and I feel it might make people like less angry if their their name isn't Zach. I'm not angry about this though. Like that's my. It's like no. It's you're it's, all tied up about it. <laughs> no, technically it's it's in the positive column because I don't have any pro. Like chapter seven was just kind of meh, but I don't have any problems with it. Um, I like again. Like I said, I absolutely love the beginning of chapter eight with the two scout troopers. I thought that was delightful. Um, but my biggest problem with this is that it feels like the same position star Wars was in with the force awakens. And that's just more of a feeling I'm getting than anything like specific I can point to. It's just like, <laughs> you, I, 
that dark saber gave you the dread of knowing that maybe that things might not go the way you're gonna think. No, like not even that though. Just like I, I, the moment, like you were saying, Russ, when you start to see like a little like uh, a light peer through, like something like he's cutting through the the cockpit of the Tie Fighter. I'm like, of course it's gonna be a lightsaber. And then like before we even see it, I'm like, okay, what what lightsaber is always connected to the Mandalorians? Oh, it's the dark saber. It's like yay! It's like I, 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 I clap because I recognized it. I want the Zach commentary for when I watch movies, TV shows, and everything now. It's just, like, that's the thing that bothers me. It's like, you know what the sad thing, though, is that, like, considering what TV shows we're going to get out of Disney with Star Wars, this is, like, going to be the best. Like, the Mandalorian series is going to be the best one. Like, I don't want Calrissian Endor. I don't care about him. He died. Like, he was a cool character in one film. No, like if you want to make a comic, that's fine. You want to make a Galaxy of Adventures episode, great, go for it though. But I don't hey, care Vince. about what. Look, he's been in that fight since he was eight years old. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Good for him. no, no, you're not wrong. I do think it would be fun for us to do like a commentary on some Mando episodes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you put out a bonus or you put a thing and say, if they go get prove you give a five star review, Zach will email you a commentary or something. It <laughs> would from be Zach of just like him going, Yeah, you're right. I'm just, yeah. No, we could all be there. We we could just be quiet and just laugh at Zach's reactions or something. That would be fun too. What it is, we begin with the first uh, chapter. And uh, you hear a loud, you hear a gunshot and a loud thud into the first ten minutes of the episode. That's essentially <laughs> what it is. Oh, great. Um, but but no, to get to like what I would want is that like, uh, I guess I I I don't want Calrissian Endor. The Kenobi thing has potential, but I pretty much can like. There was a book series that came out in the mid two thousands. I know there's the Kenobi book um, for the adults, but there was like a children's like. I read it in middle school. It was called Last of the Jedi. And the first book is more or less about Obi-Wan. Then it transitions to new characters. And it's just about like all of, like some of his like exploits on Tatooine. And that that could be interesting. Um, but but the thing is that there's only a certain amount of ways you can do deal with Obi-Wan on Tatooine. Because he really it's kind of like a rogue one. Tat it's like much like how the characters of Rogue One had to die in order for that story to have potency. Obi-Wan Kenobi can't leave Tatooine because he's tasked with protecting Luke. He can never leave. And help, it's kind of help. I'm stuck here. Help. Well, that's what that's what it should be, though. And the whole thing is, and that's what concerns me is that like Obi-Wan for the most part should be hiding his identity. Like he can't just be whipping out the lightsaber every 10 seconds. And that's what the idiots want. The idiots want the light. Like you mentioned, Ross, with, with the darksaber. The idiots just want the lightsaber. And it's like that's no, that's not compelling drama. That's not what makes Obi Wan interesting as a character. Like, yeah, I would love, love like a like a, a drama about Obi Wan's time on Tatooine, his exile, just like like dealing with the failure of letting like the entire Jedi Order disintegrate based on what is alluded to as to what his thought process is in that stupid from a certain point of view book. Um, right. But the, what you look. If you want, if you want an Obi Wan thing, this is my pitch right now. If they're still in production, you don't have to call it this, but you can make it better. Call Obi, but not with that. Oh, God dang but, it! 
where it is an older Obi-Wan who's is sitting there on Tatooine, just like much like Better Call Saul is stuck at Cinnabon in the present and can't do anything. And he is thinking back and it goes back. And it's basically an Anakin Obi-Wan or Anakin what uh, Obi-Wan Anakin, Obi-Wan whoever almost flashback show, which it completely frees everything from Tatooine and it builds up to what he's going through at the time. And eh, there you go. There's an idea to keep it a little fresh. But that's but again, you're you're going right back to hey, Clone Wars. It, it gives Hayden Christensen something to do. What else is he doing right now? <laughs> I don't know. He I, was, I, look, I think he had a voice credit in the Rise of Skywalker. Right? Oh my god, he got a nice paycheck from that. He got to be on stage with Monster Mash doing a bunch of stuff and going like hospitals. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but uh, but again, the whole thing with Kenobi though is just that like that's again. I know I'm the weird one here. But that's just not interesting. Like, I would love a film of this Obi Wan like reconciling with all the grief and just like like all these like emotions he has about what happened. Like, and I think about the survivor's guilt. Like that alone would be fantastic. Him like wandering the deserts of Tatooine. Like, there's that great what mythos statue of him like with the backpack, the tattered robes, yeah, and the like, goggles and stuff. Yeah, he has a little like miniature uh, like uh, moisture evaporator, and I'm like that's like again yeah, that. That's your concept art for the movie. It's like point to that and be like, make that into a thing. And yeah, I Mad Obi Obi Max or Mad Obi. Exactly. That's something interesting though. Like they're gonna make it just like okay, Obi One has to be hired by a bunch of criminals because he needs to make ends meet. And it's like oh, and he can happened. never own a droid because he said he never never owned a droid, right? <laughs> And I want to talk about look and talking about Obi Wan. I think we saw Jedi healing as far of a long as ago as seeing Obi Wan heal Luke when the Tuscans attacked him. So the whole oh, baby Yoda and Ray and all that. I, I I think we've seen Jedi healing for since the beginning. That's that's an interesting observation, Russ. I never even thought of that before. Yeah, think about it. I mean, well, just because we're not getting now. CGI wounds uh, healing in front of us, that doesn't mean that uh, Luke got, didn't get messed up. Obi-Wan undid his concussion. Yeah, I mean, 3PO freaking lost his arm or whatever, so. Uh, but no, like, what I would want from Mandalorian Season 2, um, like I said, this is the most, sadly, it's the most promising of all the series. I guess I could kind of say what I don't want. I don't want any more of that Guy McFace sitting at the Mos the, the, the <laughs> Eisley bar in the same booth, shot the exact same way as A New Hope. I don't want that. Uh, I, I just want get him on the soundboard. I hope he said something cool. I'm gonna go back and get some. Just have a farting noise for like five minutes. <laughs> That's essentially it. Um, it's kind of like what was it, that South Park episode where like Stan becomes cynical and every time he's like watches TV or hears anything, he hears like like a farting sound. Yeah. That's essentially me now. Um, yeah. well, <laughs> well, remember alcohol. Just alcohol solved that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just where do you think me and Zenger are right now? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but no, like for me, I, again, Russ, I loved, I loved it if they brought Thrawn back. Um, I think everybody knows I'm, I've been beating that drum loud for Thrawn's return. Uh, one thing I do want to mention is that in the interviews for this, at like I think it was either D23 or Celebration, Cowboy Hat Man was like, like somebody asked him, they're like, oh, are we going to see characters from like the non movies in this show? And he's like, well, you're definitely on the right track. And you watch this, and we didn't get really a single character outside of a Lothcat that was a character that yeah. had been exclusive to non-live-action like, media in this. 
We so, never did get a payoff to uh, said said episode five, I believe, with the jangly booted stranger coming in to see the the dead uh, bounty. We that we never got any payoff. Just we don't know that, that could still be Cad Bane, right? You think that was the moth? Is that how was the moth tracking him like that? I don't think so. I I think that's that is a deliberate plot thread that's dangling. To be used as they see fit. I think. Let's think about it. There's going to be some point at this where we're, we're going to have to see the huts. There's no way if you're John Favreau and Cowboy Hat Man, you have to see. You can think about. It. He's going to go to now all the criminal gangsters underworld, and we're going to see huts. I wouldn't be surprised if we go back to Jabba's palace again. We're going to go back to Tatooine again because the idiots know what that is. And I, I, I really, re- I saw Whoa. some art. I, I, saw, I don't I don't know why you just uh, me thinking again about going to see Jedi. Is this going to end with Mace Windu taking Baby Yoda? Is that even <laughs> in the any way possible? I still know. I I think Mace Windu is going to show up again, just because they're going to want to uh, bring Mace. Uh, sorry, Samuel Jackson back into the fold. Um, I, Mace Windu's death is so ambiguous. It's kind of like the uh, Moff Gideon of the prequels, where it's like, shouldn't, shouldn't someone have double-tapped him to make sure that he's dead? Just because just you throw somebody out of a window doesn't mean that they're dead, uh, especially a Jedi. Um, yeah, I think there's better odds of him showing up in my Better Call uh, Ben series. I I don't know about that. That that one, I, I don't know. At this point, who knows what Lucasfilm is thinking. Um, <laughs> we need money. I I, can't, I don't know. I, the problem though is that I think there's. I, I was reading some thread on Twitter, and I guess you should point out that I've really. I'm now like elbows deep in like Raylo Twitter, and oh, I, 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 it, no. I I I absolutely love like the like the war they're waging against Lucasfilm. I, I I am fascinated by it. They they keep like hijacking polls on the StarWars.com website, voting for Kylo Ren, and Lucasfilm keeps resetting the polls, only for them to immediately go back to the way they were beforehand. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that like it just seems that Lucasfilm is just, and it's the concern I've had now for years. Is that like they're just they only care about the fans that are Jim's age. They only care about those like male fans that are 50 years old and older that just want that original trilogy nostalgia. And they don't care about any of the other demographics. Like that's just the vibe I'm getting. Is that they just they 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 want that demographic so badly, and every other one is being told to like, I don't want to say explicitly go to hell. But it's that equivalent of just like we want this, we want this demographic. We don't care about any others. Um, again, I just I can we'll save this for later this month. But uh, like even when it comes to Rise of Skywalker, there's been some really interesting deep dives about like the editing of the the climax between uh, Ray and Ben Solo, and there's a lot of just like uh, uh, analysis on like oh a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. Uh, a lot of these shots don't work. Um, do you, like, do you look at the faces that the actors have? The syntax of the order of some sequences—just—it's perplexing. And um, I, I think everybody knows at this point. That I, I, can, I I do subscribe to the conspiracy theory here or there, um, but I wouldn't be surprised that Lucasfilm is just constantly uh, their their battle plan is just evolving on a daily basis. 
So who knows what, what's currently happening with the Mandalorian could change very much in the next year. I would imagine with the the very very warm reception to Baby Yoda, if Baby Yoda was going to have a hypothetical smaller role in season two as opposed to season season one, that's going to change. I imagine there's going to be a huge huge injection of Baby Yoda. Like he's, I would imagine he's going to have more screen time than we could possibly imagine in in season two. I think he's going to have a little bit of an arc too, uh, and. I also think about this, think about the amount of violence that Baby Yoda has just witnessed just in these eight episodes we've seen. Even You could just say in the last episode alone, but he's witnessed the Mandalorian break him out and just kill so many people, burn people. And they, they make a point of like if Mandalorian is, is setting a stormtrooper on fire to give a nice close-up of Baby, Baby Yoda with a bit of a grin on his face. Just Baby Yoda might be better served as being a Mandalorian than going with the Jedi at this point. He... Uh, he seemed like he'd be like a, a he would definitely go into his more violent side. Well, even the part when like he I tried to choke Cara Dune too. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I thought that was hilarious. I like how Mandalorian like catches on to that. He starts like shaking him. He's like, "No, she's my friend." He just violently no, no, not her. Why did you do this that other time with that Ted Trandosham was trying to kill me? <laughs> Like I said, this this show does have goofy moments that appeals to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I I should say that yes, I am hung up on the stupid fan service. That's my own quirk. Um, I I can see that, but there are some really goofy moments in this that resonate with me. I, I should maybe we'll do that like sometime in the future. We'll go through. I'll pick out my favorite moments, and um, then we just kind of sigh. Exactly. <laughs> But even like I said, like when IG eighty eight's like driving through like the town, he has Baby Yoda like in the little satchel in front of him, and he's like shooting everybody. Baby, hear Baby Yoda cackle. Like it's like I think Baby yeah, Yoda has the, the violence. Taste of blood. He's all. I mean, yeah, I think next season um, they're going to advance him a little. Maybe they'll show Mando getting going a little further, and maybe he'll be a little more adolescent at this point because he is part of a clan now. He has been. He's gotten the Mudhorde sigil sigil right he has his sigil and they say now you're a clan of two meaning that he's now a foundling following derger derger uh on his adventures and yeah i like it derger got it jerka derka der jerker derper derka derka der they took her jobs they took her oh they took her uh, but yeah, season two of Mandalorian. I can't take everything else. I'm keeping my expectations. I I don't go into any of this stuff with like Jack what I want. Disappointed. No, what? I, I don't want to be- chapter chapter one. Sagwa's revenge. You're not looking forward to that. Oh, or no. chapter nine. Oh no. Oh no. Will they keep uh, the chapter numbers going? I think so. Right. It'll just be chapter yeah. nine. Chapter yeah. ten. I can't Sagwa, see them changing Sagwa's that. death. Sagwa reborn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my, my overall opinion on the Mandalorian and it, it could change, who knows, but in all honesty, give me like, I, I would any day of the week, take another rise of Skywalker over 20 seasons of the Mandalorian. I want, I want the bombastic spec. I want the bombastic, just everything just like firing on all cylinders, even if it doesn't make sense half the time, I'd rather have that than just like middle of the road. Let's play it safe. Star Wars. I want Star Wars always aiming for the bleachers, even if it misses. I feel like maybe Fabro might even think about it. He was probably trying to play it safe with this too. It's not like he was oh, yeah. getting reactions as he's making these other episodes, and now, now he's just given the keys. Like uh, that's why I think we is gonna, they are going to go out and show like big I, things like 
Zook and more Imperials, and and, and 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 who knows, we might see some of our Rebel heroes, like a CG Mark Hamill. Um, oh God, no, facing please off. No. Please now, please now. Our heroes. Look, if if we're getting Wookies, Chewbacca's, then we get all Elton. El, we get Lando. Lando's here. Oh no! Please stop! Please stop, Rush. General General Calrissian. Okay, Lando. What are you doing, my friend? It's me, Donald Glover. Keep Zach from going over the edge. I just got one more thing I want to point out real quick, and I caught this in another medium that Star Wars is in. When did they start getting referred to as imps? Yeah, but online and now this show, and that that seems to be what it is. It's like uh, online games. Actually, rises. I mean, not rise of Skywalker. Um, Fallen Order. Someone says imps in there too. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. So I'm like, where did yeah. they, like like did I miss some Star Wars memo along the way? I always thought everyone now? called them stormies or some. Some who really like to kick the system call them troopies, and I like that troopies too. Yeah, I don't know. It makes them sound too innocent and and frolicking around little imps. They're not little imps. But I get that though, in the context of like referring to the like if they were using that term back during the Galactic Civil War, I would agree, Russ. But considering this is like the it's but no, but considering this is the Imperial Remnant, I get it because it's like okay, they're not really a threat, but they are very impish. Like they can cause problems if they go unchecked. Yeah. That's that's the weird thing with this show is that like I do think there's a lot of potential, but the only thing it's like everything else Disney does now is that like think about it. With Lucasfilm when this was being made the show, they were they were oh god, they were full in the middle of production on the rise of Skywalker. So I would imagine Favreau and Cowboy Hat Man probably didn't get as much attention and i mean that in a good way in that they kind of were more or less probably left alone because everybody at the executive level was probably focused on the rise of skywalker but now that there's there's think about there's not even a movie in pre-production i think about that like since disney bought star wars in 2012 there's always been a film in pre-production and now that the rise of skywalker's out this is the first time since Revenge of the Sith, that there are no films on the horizon. There's no films in pre-production. There's nothing. Like it is, we are in a dead space when it comes to Star Wars films. And considering yeah, but, that it takes continue. But the thing, the point. Okay, I'll try to be concise. Is that the point is is that now that Lucasfilm's attention is not split in different directions, all of their attention is going to be on Mandalorian, Calrissian, Endor, and. Kenobi. So, like, there's going to be so much more micromanaging now on this show than there was previously. Like, I would imagine that probably Filoni and Favreau, it wasn't their idea to have uh, the most Eisley Cantina sequence being shot verbatim like it was in A New Hope. I, pro- I would imagine they probably, they probably didn't want to do that, yet they probably got a note from the studio being like, you got to do this. Have Guy McFay sitting at this exact same booth with his feet up the exact same way as Ford. And that's the problem, is that they're probably, now that there's no movie to take up the attention of the executives, there's going to be even more scrutiny of not, don't screw, the- they're going to put the exact same pressure they put on J.J. on The Rise of Skywalker as they're going to do for The Mandalorian Season 2. And that's what I'm afraid of. Is like I, I've said it before numerous times. Like Disney buying Star Wars is the equivalent of the Scorpion and the Frog. It's the idea that like it's in their nature to ruin this because that's just what Disney does. They <laughs> suck the life out of this stuff. 
they they are the scorpion. They're going to sting sting the frog because it's in their nature. They're not going they're not going to destroy Star Wars because they're malevolent. They're just going to do it because it's in their nature. The same way they kind of destroyed the Lion King by making a dead behind the eyes live action film. Um, it's just what they do. Hopefully, seeing hopefully just seeing how you know this this latest series of films started off so strong and kind of petered out. I'm not gonna say petered out to you know terribly, but didn't kind of end the way they wanted to. So hopefully, they just let Favreau just go do his thing. Worry about worry about Captain Cashin Cashews right now, and um, (laughs) and let him do his thing. And we get our Obi Wan series, and just yeah, just trust the Favreau at this point. And I gotta say. So we lost IG-11. We got the one iconic bounty hunter replica down. Will we see another iconic bounty hunter, either regular or replica, next season? Do you think we'll see a 4LOM or a Zuckus or who else was there? Dengar and or any of the others. Do you think we'll see any of them? Oh, I could see them doing Dengar because they can cause think about Simon Pegg will be old enough now oh, that he could he could believably on. play that. I was thinking more Pat and Oswald would be like, oh, <laughs> they love doing the comedians. I, I think they're, they're going to introduce another. I see. That's, that's the thing. I think their focus now is on these shows and stuff. They, they, they want that streaming market. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. Again, it'll be interesting to see. I'll, I'll definitely be watching it. Uh, who knows? The future The future is very murky right now when it comes to Star Wars. It's true. It's a lot of unknown right now. Oh, dear. Uh, all right. Uh, do we want to rank? I, I guess, what is everybody's favorite episode of the season so far? I guess that'll be our final note we end on. Ooh, I, it's a hard one for me. I'll go first, but I'll just say uh, episode two was was probably through all of it or through rewatching with other people. Just the whole Jawa adventure and the Suka and just the the, <laughs> the the reveal of the baby Yoda in the Force. I think it was really really well done and a small, you know, very barely any cast to the episode other than Mando, Pignolti, Baby Yoda, and the Jawas. And yeah, you know, that might be my favorite. <sighs> I'm kind of going to go with the sin. Okay, which one is that? That's, that's episode three. The, I mean, yeah, three. chapter, Two, right? chapter three. I want on the record that Zach, that uh, Russ's favorite episode is episode two, Attack of the Clones. My God dang, I'm going to kill him. I'm going <laughs> to kill him. <laughs> ah! No, uh, chapter, chapter three. Okay. Uh, uh, Army of Flying Boba Fett saved the day. Good. Good, good, good. There's more in that episode than that. It's 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 the whole changing of his character. It's it's what this Batman on the Batman episode too. There's yeah. a lot of Batman stuff in there. Yeah, I guess I guess we should mention that in chapter seven we got poor one out for uh, space. Uh, Herner Werner Warzog. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, too. kind of unceremoniously killed by his own man, giving just eating up all the scenery before that too. Almost like <laughs> the Emperor <laughs> knowing it's his last film, which is I must get all the most Werner Herzog of Herzogs has been out there yet. And I, I yeah, he he did a great job. It's yeah. so if you could ask me anyone that would uh, Werner Herzog one of the last people I ever think would be in a Star War. And it's like saying John Waters is gonna be in a Star War. I'd be like, no, <gasps> it's not. But okay, then next season, okay. it's going to happen, right? Okay, okay, I won on the record. If they cast John Waters in Mandalorian Season 2, oh. I will love it. Okay, A John Waters well, droid would be oh, no, a perfectly no, no, sleazy. No, no. no. I mean, he's going to be sleazy, to be, whoever he, 
what it is is that Mandalorian walks into a bar and it's not even like makeup. It's just John Waters put there. It's John Waters. You give him a cocktail. That's what I want. They do that. Ten out of ten stars. There, there you go. There you go, Disney. You heard it here. I want I that. I used give to me- sell death sticks. All yeah. right. Perfect. All right, Zach. I love it. I love it. Okay. You know what, folks? Russ actually got me excited for, even though there's a 0% <laughs> chance this will happen, if you put hey. John Waters in The Mandalorian Season 2, you will get me on board. All right, Zach. What's the episode? My favorite? Yeah. I have to say, I, I, have, I haven't rewatched any of them since like our, our discussions about them. But um, I have to say, based on just what I remember, it has to be uh, Chapter 2. Because that first episode, that first episode, really, folks, I was I was scared. I was scared out of my mind that this was this was the end of the podcast. I'm like, this is the future of Star Wars. I want no it's parts true. of this. I was I was again. I you think you people think I'm joking? Like I was loading the one like like bullet into the revolver. It's like the podcast was about to die. Like it was this close. Um, and then that chapter two. Thank God that came out within like what three days. We got that what the fifteenth, yeah, and. Yeah, and that episode salvaged it for me. It was like a night and day. Like, I, in all honesty, uh, when if they ever do, like, uh, I don't know who's directing the episodes of uh, Mandalorian season two. I hope they do a lot more of Rick Fumiima. I, I want uh, all his episodes were my favorite so far this year. Um, I, I would love Bryce Dallas Howard to come back. Taiko Watiti, um, Block Cowboy Man, hat, Cowboy Hat Man, in the closet. When it comes to passing out directorial duties, uh, don't let him out. Um, and also don't let him act in any of this stuff because he's he's an awful actor. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to see some pirates get their revenge on those rebel pilots <laughs> for something. <laughs> or they get they get thrown in a brig for treason with the with that other crew, and then that crew kills them. The, our our crew from what episode six, the or five, the uh, the Bill Burr crew runs into the the director's crew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I have to say chapter two. I love how kind of stripped down it is. I love uh, picking uh, picking off Jawas with disintegration rounds. Yeah, uh, I was about to fact- say, I, I imagine you being uh, Baby Yoda watching Jawas getting disintegrated and your eyes just widening, going, all right, he's in, he's in. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, chapter two. I dug that episode. I love this. I know a lot of people don't like how slow this show is. Um, I, that's the one aspect I love of it is that it's it takes its time. Um, it's not just punching you in the face of this thing's happening. It is the uh, antithesis to the rise of Skywalker in that way. Um, but like anything else, it's, it's a matter of execution. I, d- I didn't like how fast-paced The Force Awakens was, but I love the fast-paced nature of the rise of Skywalker. It's all in the execution of it all. So, uh, yeah, Mandalorian Season 2. It'll be fun. Uh, come, back and listen to, uh, come back and listen to us sometime in November. We will definitely be covering it. Oh, boy. We got a long way. Oh man! Imagine the imagine the guy. Another lack of content. We're going to go the entire summer with literally no content. Then we'll have that. We'll probably have another Star Wars video game. Um, and another thing too, I guess we should maybe just kind of just point out is that a Star Wars Resistance ends this this year. Um, so there's going to be probably another Disney animated series that's going to be announced soon. Yeah. Oh, just the Dude. biggest, most anticipated finales of one of the most hyped, and, and I mean, it just showed it's just it's, the animation just looks so cool on it. The action figures don't look like they're Easter egg pastel colors. It's like, oh, I, it's hard to break that nut of that show. I, I, maybe I try this summer. It's uh, the problem though is that like I, I watch that show every week, and. There, there isn't a lot of episodes that are worth like revisiting. Like, there's a couple. Like, that's what, there was one really good episode where they had to go to like the uh, 
the first order dreadnought outside the car and that was cool the one that is taken out in last jedi yeah they they had to go to that to like get some coaxium i'm like oh that's neat um but other than that there's a lot i have webs we have to go to like an ancient like uh temple i think it's a sith temple and that was neat though but like there's no lore like they have to like they have to go find some sort of relic i forget and like there's like a woman there who they're knows stepping all about. over the dagger that Ray might need, and they're stepping over other like plot points from other. Like, we but don't that, know what that is. We don't need it. But that's the thing, though, is that there is no plot points because like it's just like oh, um, the first order is on this planet looking for a relic, like a Sith relic. We're never told what the relic is. We're never told what its power is. And the woman who knows all this stuff, who's like the shaman, she never talks about. It. She's just like oh, I know a lot of things about spiritual like. Of a spiritual nature, and that's it. They don't tell you anything else. Like it's, it's very shallow when it comes to Star Wars lore. It's like, don't get me wrong. It's a lot of it, like action adventure stuff, but like where Rebels was perfect at that, of having like cartoony fun for the kids. But it did have that like layer of just like Star Warsy that was always there for the hardcore fans, even Clone Wars to a certain extent. Uh, Resistance just very rarely has that layer, and it's just like, okay, uh, bright colors like racing, bright colors shooting each other, bright like bright colored characters getting into all sort of wacky shenanigans. Um, like that's the thing. Like I would imagine, like where a lot of kids grew up with Rebels, and then like ten years from now they'll be like, oh wow, I can't wait to revisit that. Nobody watching Resistance at six years old, ten years from now, is like, oh wait, I can't wait to revisit this. It's and that's why I think it's ending after two seasons. Is that there's really it's it's it has no weight to it. It doesn't. It's not gaining that following that Rebels and Clone Wars was able to. Yeah, it seemed like Clone Wars especially was able to grow up with its audience and kind of um, build into all we really had of new Star Wars stuff. While Lucas was still there, uh, you know, post-Revenge of the Sith, that was uh, – it seemed to get better and better as it went on. Yeah, I guess I should say that too, that like uh, – I guess I should ultimately reserve my judgment for The Mandalorian because the first season of Clone Wars I wasn't thrilled with. The um, first season of Rebels I thought was horrible. And it wasn't until like that second season of uh, Rebels where you start getting like a lot of the stuff with Ahsoka, Maul, Vader, the Inquisitors, that it really started to pick up. And by the end of I, I love Rebels. That series finale is one of the great, one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars media. And I, hopefully, The Mandalorian gets its footing. Like again, like anything else, uh, the, the the first person through the wall loses the most amount of teeth. So hopefully, it can we get better? And, and the executives don't micromanage it to death. Fingers crossed. Yes. I, and may baby Yoda wield the dark saber and we yeah. meet the wolves. And with John Waters in the bar. John Waters teaches <laughs> baby Yoda how to use a death stick. Oh, perfect. He's his I'm babysitter. That'd be great. Oh, I'm yet to happen. All right. Uh, so concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook and chances are you will find it. Find us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Shoot us an email, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Anisperiority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. Uh, Knights of Vader t-shirts. The Rise of Skywalker may, may be over, but your love for your favorite third-rate <laughs> Star Wars podcast will never end. Um, as of now... Um, I, I think I'm going to, I'm pretty sure I'm going to raise the price of t-shirts to $22. Again, we had them as $20 originally as a promotional period for, Hey, we're doing t-shirts and to have to encourage people to wear them to their showings of the rise of Skywalker. 
But now that we're in a new year, I'm probably going to raise the price to $22. So uh, there you go. All of you who ordered your shirts, you saved two bucks, and you rep your favorite third-rate Star Wars podcast. So thank you. For questions, comments, concerns, or snipe remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodities. And on the Cinemodities podcast, where you can hear Rob and I finally, after hyping it for almost two years, we'll be discussing 2015's Tomorrowland, the film where George Clooney falls in love with a little robot girl. Certainly not icky in the slightest. That was a movie, too. That existed. That is a movie that existed, and oddly enough, it was another film that Disney micromanaged to death. There are stories that Brad Bird essentially, I don't want to say the film got taken away from him in editing, but he pretty much lost all control of that film after it tested poorly with uh, uh, test screening. So there you go, folks. There's a lot of writing on the wall when it comes to Disney and their their ability to ruin things through a, trying to make it better. But when you're not listening to Tomorrowland on Cinemodies, where can we find you, Zanger? Uh, you can of course find me on my um, nerdy podcast Zingness every week discussing nerdy topics. Also, I want to wish everyone a happy 2020 because we are in the future now. And um, I'm going to use the rest of my time to let you guys know to check out Embark um, because this is important. <laughs> the the third part of Embark will be coming out in 2020, the Vanishing War. So keep an eye out for that. And in the meantime. Check out, of course, the first Embark and also the follow-up book, Treasure in Darkness. Boom. Friend of the show, John Justice. Singer, Singer, how much money are you making off this? Because I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of, kind of curious. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm not allowed to disclose. Uh-oh, uh-oh. He signed, he signed the back. Oh, God, Russ. Russ, he's, he's trying to cut us out of the money. He's trying to get that sweet, sweet you. podcast. I, I, we can't I, can't even, I can't even say it. I know he's going to use me in an ad on something else. Me just saying <laughs> the words, John. I won't, can't even say the rest. I can't even say it. Uh, dear. All right, Russ. When you're not uh, putting John Waters into The Mandalorian Season 2, what are you up to? <laughs> Uh, yeah, just check, check out my show, The Unbelievers Podcast. And hey, go follow Unbelievers Podcast on Instagram or uh, follow The Unbelievers Podcast on Facebook. Go give that thing a like. That's it. Actually, I got one more thing to promote real quick. Everyone go on Instagram and follow Backlog Berg, the co-host of the one of the co-hosts of Zingness, because he's like, no one ever follows me on that. So I'm going to stop using it. And I have insisted that I will get that back running again. So go follow my Instagram. It's backlogberg. All right, we'll go do it. How's Berg spelled? Uh, let me just. I'm. I'm gonna double check, but it's B E backlog blurg. <laughs> like, like it sounds, Zach. God. Ah, <laughs> oh, back. I like that. Well played, Russ. Well played. B A C K L O G B E R G. There you go. Alrighty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, he's trying to eat me. <laughs> he's trying to eat me. 